good God has been to us. And so maybe what we could do is even think about something God has done where we knew God was generous. Uh, might have happened through a person. So does anybody know a generous person? Anybody know one? And, um, and what do you think, what do you think, what do you think um, makes a person generous? What do you think? Greg. It doesn't have to be a giver of money. Just be a giver of anything that God gives you. Yeah. Just give it back. Just give, give it, it back. Give it Give it to someone else. Give it to someone else. I love it. Right? And in um, a generation where some people would say we're a consumer society, how many of you know somebody that's generous? Okay, who would like to tell us who they are? Who are they? I want to say Stacy Livingston. Right? Where's Aaron? Don't you want to say Stacy Livingston too? Um, so Aaron was telling me, can, can you just tell that little story about your, your grandson that you just told me? He just had a beautiful time at art camp um, and just the way it was ran. And he insisted that I put a photo of Stacy in his picture album so that he would always have it. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And um, Aaron was telling me that it was a last minute and, you know, everybody was already supposed to be signed up. But she called and said, is there any way that you could take this? And of course, Stacy was generous and said, yes. And it's beautiful. Who else? Tell me someone else. Yeah. You want to think about it a little more? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Tell me someone who's been generous to you. They don't have to be in the room. My mother, Nancy, is one of the most generous people. She has such kindness in her heart and compassion that she makes having her from my mom a blessing all the time. And I love her to pieces. And she loves and has set an example for me. And I keep saying, when I grow up, I'm going to be like my mom. One more. Can I have one more? Our pastors. Pastors. Well, why don't we all right now just think about someone in our own lives that has been generous to us and hold them in our heart for a minute.
the time that Jesus was at table with his friends, what generosity was really all about. And I love what you said, Greg. At that moment, didn't have anything to do with money. It had to do with generosity of soul. And there was Jesus at the table, and he was about to give his life. And the Bible says, no greater love than this, than the one who lays down their life for their friends. And Jesus gave us a picture of generosity. And the people that you held in your heart, somehow they gave up some of themselves for you. So as you come to table today, remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was allowing bread to show that he was going to give it all. That this is my body given for you. And this is my blood poured out for you. And it's a sign of the new and everlasting covenant, which will be given for you and for all people so that sins will be forgiven. So today, when we come to the table, God, we want to remember your generosity. You gave your life for us. And so today, with bread and wine, we want to taste and see that the Lord is good. We light a candle. We want to remember your generosity in dark places. When we write a prayer, we want to remember the generous God who listens and is attentive to us. And today, God, wherever we pray, we want to say thank you for being so good to us. You're welcome to come and pray wherever you like.
receive communion. Can we stand and let's pray together? God, we thank you so much that you are calling us to a walk with you that that is building and is growing and that is transforming. We're learning new things about how to be generous. And we're learning how to be generous in spirit, God. God, let us be your instruments of peace in the world. Let us be your instruments of reconciliation, God. In a world where people are yelling at each other, God, let us be those that bring the peace of Christ, that we are resurrection people, that brings the love of Christ everywhere that we go. So God, I pray for all my friends as they have lifted up prayers to you. And God, they are are crying out for certain things for themselves and their families and their communities. And even if there's not words to the prayers, God, you have heard them and are continuing to hear us. And God, we continue to lift up a prayer with our voice, with song, with everything that we are. And we thank you that you're hearing and that you are faithful and that we can trust you with every word that we lift up. Thank you, God. Lord, you're leading me with a cloud by day and then in the night the glow of a burning flame and everywhere
another. Say good morning to some friends and some neighbors and some new folks and say, God is with you. He goes with you. God is with you. to your friends and some neighbors in this place, but we want to send our kids out with a groove as our friend Jaquiel comes up. And so if you have a child who's in pre... It's critical to set your goals so you know where you're going. You know, if you want to buy a home, if the average price is about $160,000 right now, you know you need to save at least 10 to 20% in order to get a down payment for that home. If you want to buy a car, you want to get 10% down. Really, whatever your goal is, whether it be paying off your high-rate debt or just building up an emergency cushion for those tough times ahead, you want to make sure to know what that number is and save a monthly amount so that you reach that goal. If you don't have any goals, you don't know where you're going, and so you can't really take the steps you need to get there. One of my mantras is priorities lead to prosperity. Priorities lead to prosperity. If you put things in perspective, put your priorities first, then you will prosper. I tell people, you want to know what you value, open up your checkbook. Are most of the checks you make out to MasterCard and Visa? Are the checks, most of it to uh, cell phone bills and buying video games and going to the movies and eating out? Because then that, that's what you value. But if it's truly home ownership, if it's getting rid of debt, then that's where your money's going to be going. And then you will prosper. So your financial plan should be about your values. I guess that's what I'm really saying. What do you want out of life? That's your financial plan. I'm a person who believes in simplicity. You've got all these calculators and algorithms and all these kind of things people will say. But really, a simple financial plan, take out a sheet of paper, notebook paper, and do that every year. And then look at it mid-year, see how you're doing. But I'm telling you, a simple financial plan just starts with your values. What do you want to do with your money? I know a lot of people have a wonderful excuse as to why they should delay getting started on their financial life or, or on this aspect of money management. And I've heard some wonderful excuses, and some of them are really, really logical and reasonable. People say, Peter, I'm about to be deployed. Uh, Peter, I'm about to graduate. I'm about to be married. I'm going through a divorce. I've got a child on the way. I am working a full-time job and going to school full-time this semester. It's just not a good time. And I understand that, and I'm not here to say that it is a good time. I'm here to say that there's never going to be a good time in your life when you've got plenty of free time and plenty of money to get started on your financial life. So you might as well get started today. The most important thing to think about when setting financial goals is just having them in the first place. One of the best things to think about when you're young, when you're right out of college or still in college, is that you, know, you want to be deliberate about your spending. You want to be deliberate about your saving. You don't want to do things kind of at random uh, you know, without really thinking about them first. That's how we get into trouble. That's how we end up in credit card debt. And then we end up sort of having to dig ourselves out uh, you know, a couple of years later uh, on a, an entry-level salary, and that can make it, make it very difficult. It's critical to set your goals so you know where you're going. Wow, that was really important. She said it twice. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great day. 
We're continuing on in our not wasting the summer. Don't waste your summer. And today we're going to talk about don't waste your money. Um, and I just want to say right at the onset, we're kind of all in this together, right? This is a subject that is appropriate for all of us. Some of you would say not really appropriate for church, um, but uh, Jesus seemed to have a different opinion of that. Um, there's really nothing talked about more than finances, than money. Uh, you, when you include, for instance, subject matter like the poor, uh, the only thing that's written about more in the scripture uh, isn't baptism, as amazing and as important as that is. It's not even uh, about salvation. Uh, it's about the kingdom of God. The only thing that's spoken about more than about money is the kingdom of God. And the reason, I believe, is because it's so, uh, is a part of our life. And throughout history, it's been just a part of the fabric, and it really gets to the heart of a lot of issues for us. So we're in this together, so everybody just breathe and know this, that uh, my desire, my hope in even having a conversation around this uh, is that we can all be helpful with one another. And uh, I would say there's folks in the room here that are really struggling when it comes to uh, money. Uh, you really have some difficulty. I would say I pay really close attention to around these scriptural principles because uh, God has a way through and up for you. And there are people in the room that are doing really well financially. And the truth of the matter uh, is you have prospered and done really well for even some of you for a really long time. And my encouragement to you and really to all of us, and I think the challenge for all of us is always, how am I growing in my generosity? So no matter how prosperous you get, one of the questions becomes uh, when, from a spiritual formation standpoint is how am I growing? Am I giving? Am I giving the same amount uh, percentage-wise that I gave 10 years ago. If, if I am, then I, it's hard for me to say that I'm really growing in my generosity. So anyway, some of those questions. Um, and some of you would say, I don't even, you know, when you talk about wasted money, it's kind of like an oxymoron, right? It's kind of like extra money. You ever hear anybody say, hey, and with your extra money? I just chuckle at that. It's like, I, I've never had extra money. What is that like? Like, you know, even the money that I get what they're saying, extra money, but that extra money, I've got a plan for that, right? It's like there's something that's coming down the pike that I want to use that for. Um, but just to give you some thought around this and the responsibility that comes with us as a very prosperous culture and people uh, is that uh, the average American, single American, will earn over $1.4 million in their lifetime. That's the average American. The average American household uh, in, in, on this day will um, make over $2 million in, in the lifetime of their career and that over $2 million. So it's a conversation when it comes to wasting that we want to have. Luke 16, 13, we've talked about a couple of times. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Everyone say money. Money. This is about money. I love this quote by Will Rogers. He says, too many people spend money they earn to buy things they don't want to impress people that they don't like. <laughs> that is the truth about all of us probably at one time or another. 
Anyway, I want to talk to you about how to waste money. I, I think we should run at this this way. Let's talk about some of the best practices uh, of wasting money. If you want to waste money, let me help you. The first thing is don't pay attention to your money. Pay no attention to what you have in your wallet. Give it no attention in spite of the fact that the scripture clearly gives a lot of attention. The Farmer's Gazette says, has said this, has a quote, it is better to tell your money where to go than to ask it where it went. So obviously, if you want to waste money, you don't pay attention. Just spend money, just let it, just let it come in and go out, and don't pay any attention to how all of that is structured, have no plan around it, or... You could do the converse of that if you want to resist this issue of wasting money and you want to not waste your money, then begin to pay attention. The best way we have to pay attention, and we all know this, some of us are like, I just don't want to do this, is to budget what we do, to pay attention. A budget is simply paying attention. Now, some of you may um, say, I don't really, I don't want to put it on paper, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. I would just say this for all of us, is it's important that we give some attention. The scripture says this in Proverbs 27, 23. It says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds. Now, this is spoken to a culture a couple thousand years ago, right? More than a couple thousand years ago that their way of bartering, their system wasn't so much about coins and money. It was about animals and what they had and crops. So when the scripture here says in Proverbs, to be sure to know the condition of your flocks, what it's really talking about uh, is clearly pay attention to the resources you have and give careful attention to that. Now, um, it's easy for anybody to say, uh, give careful attention to your resources and then just kind of leave it at that. But I will say this, that if you need any help, like I can say you need to budget, it's important to pay attention. If you need any help, there are some really gifted, we have Leanne who has uh, headed up our financial uh, resources class for years now. Uh, th- uh, there are other people, leaders in the church that uh, can just be a great resource to you, to help you if you need some help around budgeting, not to tell you what to do with your money, but just help you pay attention better. So if you need any of that help, uh, just call, call the office. See, um, when it comes to paying attention, the issue is we all have a philosophy about money. I want you to think about that for a minute, what your general philosophy, just think of it in your mind, what your general philosophy uh, about money is. Now, for most of us, our philosophy around money is like our philosophy around things like eating. It's been cultural uh, for some of us. It's like the home you grew up in, uh, you ate a certain way. Like some of us, you know, the thought of eating vegetables at dinner growing up just wasn't there. So if you eat vegetables now, you had to make a change of mind. There was a philosophy that you grew up with. It was cultural. Um, we have that when it comes to the way we recreate. Some of us would never think about boating because we were never around a boat when we were growing up, right? And then some of us loved to golf perhaps because we always, our parents took us golfing or whatever, or maybe with work. Uh, as a salesperson, you golfed a lot. So you get those things. Well, when it comes to money, it's the same way. There's a culture there is a, there's an environment that we've surrounded ourselves with, or as a husband and wife, possibly, or family. Um, but the general philosophy 
in our culture is not to pay attention. Our general philosophy, cultural philosophy, when it comes to money is to spend it. That is, the, that is the overwhelming philosophy, in a word, of our cultural philosophy on money. That's the fiscal philosophy. Just spend it. Just try to make more and spend more um, as opposed to investing. Now, I would say some of you might have thought your philosophy is save, and that could be true of you, that like if your philosophy was just in a word, um, you would say, my philosophy is to save money. And I would say that there's some really challenging scriptures around those of us that just want to save money. Because I would say the overall general philosophy of scripture is more about investing money. That there's, in, like, if you have the mentality of, I am going to invest my resources, my time, my talent, my treasure, I'm going to invest those things. That means I invest it in things like my family, my education. I'm investing it into the spiritual house that I'm a part of. I'm going to invest it in ministries that I believe in, God's kingdom work. Those kinds of things is quite different. Jesus says if you're a saver and you're just trying to build bigger barns, there's a bad day coming uh, where you're going to be really disappointed. I would say the general philosophy around here is summed up in a quote uh, by Shane Claiborne, um, and he says this. He says, I believe, that the gospel, I believe in the gospel of abundance held in a theology of simplicity. Let me say it again. I believe in the gospel of abundance held with a theology of simplicity. Here's, here's this in a nutshell. We serve an abundant God. There is no end to the resources. That's why you have these scriptures, see. Um, in other words, we are not as a church or as a culture, uh, we, are not, um, we are not like a name it, claim it group. We are not a prosperity, simply prosperity type of church. But there's a truth. The reason that that gets traction is there's a truth scripturally to the fact that God wants people to prosper. And he loves to bring increase on his people. There is no doubt about that. But you also can't, uh, you also can't debate the fact that uh, we are all challenged to live in this theology of simplicity. In other words, an awareness, for instance, for the poor. A, a large awareness for the poor. That how, uh, when I'm so blessed, what is my responsibility? So I, I, I believe in the gospel of abundance held in a theology of simplicity. Now, simplicity shows up differently in everybody's life, that, how that looks and how we're challenged in it. So the culture of finances. Let me, let me just say this one last thing about this. Um, this is how this manifests, perhaps, and we see, you'll see this. Um, when, when you talk about that we're in a culture of spend versus a culture of invest, this is how you can get um, some families that will spend uh, $600, three pairs of $200 tennis shoes, but their child doesn't have access to a thing like a laptop because it's a spending mentality, and an investing mentality is more about where is my child going with their future. Now, I'm not saying that you can't buy your kids nice tennis shoes. I'm just saying there is a philosophical way we approach with our money. Make sense? All right, so next best practice is owe a ton of money. Just owe a ton. I mean, get as much debt as you can load up with. Proverbs 22.7, familiar scripture to a lot of us. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Isn't there this magic of consumer credit? I remember the first credit card Claire and I had. It was Sears. Sears and Roebuck. 
500 bucks. I think I was making like, you know, Claire was making like, I don't know, $6 an hour. I was making $4 an hour. We were really just knocking it out of the park financially. Our rent was $100 a month, and that's about what we had to pay. But to have a credit card, $500, I'll never forget the first two coffee mugs I got with that credit card. It was like magic. It was like, wow, man, I got to do this more often. And fortunately, early on, God started to do some things in Claire and I, and we thought, well, this isn't as awesome as we thought. And the worst part about good credit, there is a downside to good credit. The, The downside of good credit is you can get a lot of credit with good credit right? And the best thing for some of us is bad credit. Some of you need to embrace the goodness of your bad credit because you can no longer borrow more money because you are not going to borrow your way out of it. It's not going to happen. I got this tutorial video from Saturday Night Live. Let's check it out. This is the one thing, if you can get this, if you can, like can we hold it? going to get out of this hole. If you can, if you can get this one like principle gonna... down, you're set. Here we go. Sorry about that. One principle about debt. I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? (laughs) Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called, Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. (laughs) Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. (laughs) The advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. (laughs) So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Oh, I just can't get these numbers. <laughs> Is that a great clip? All of us at one time or another could at least say ouch over that. So uh, third best practice that I want to share with you if you want to waste your money is live close-handed. Live close-handed. There is a paradox with generosity that is really hard for us at times to wrap our, our, our minds around. Proverbs eleven twenty four. 
and 25 say this. It says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is so counterintuitive but so true. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. So um, there's a wonderful book that I would encourage everybody to get a hold of uh, if you're interested in this issue of uh, the Paradox of Generosity, written by two professors from Notre Dame, Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson. And they're sociologists, and they, uh, they, they're both Christ followers, but they also use a lot of just ancient wisdom, but they are sociologists. So they literally go through the whole issue of generosity, and they have studied, uh, in, in particular in the United States, the tremendous advantages to generosity. The happiest people on earth are not necessarily at Disney World. The happiest people on earth are the most generous people on earth. Socio- the healthiest people as a category, healthiest people on earth are the most generous people. And they get into all of the statistics of that. And they have a definition of what they say is a generous person. But anyway, this is one of the things they say. Generosity is paradoxical. Those who give receive back in return by spending ourselves for others, for their well-being. We enhance our own standing. In letting go of some of what we own, we better secure our own life. By giving ourselves away, we ourselves move toward flourishing. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching. It is a sociological fact. The generosity paradox can only be stated in the negative. By grasping onto what we currently have, we lose out on better goods that we might have attained. In holding on to what we possess, we diminish its long-term value to us. By always protecting ourselves against future uncertainties and misfortunes, we're affected in ways that make us more anxious about uncertainties and vulnerability to the future and its misfortunes. In short, by failing to care for others, we do not properly care for ourselves. And then they, they go on and they say, you know, they talk about the scripture actually that we just referred to in Proverbs and then also say, and Jesus himself said, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Generosity is so life-giving and it's so amazing to watch. I loved what Claire did just passing the mic around earlier because there is just this goodness to experience generosity, to live into it, to be the recipient of somebody's generosity. We love it. Nobody uh, that I have met is opposed to generosity. Uh, They may not live into it themselves, but I've never heard anybody say, I wish people weren't generous. Um, And I, I think one of the big things when you approach this issue of generosity, and you guys have been so amazing over the years, we really kind of have a revival of sorts going on in the church since about the beginning of the year in this issue of generosity. Um, there have been people that like have been giving these substantial amounts of resources to pay for things. And a great example is you all paying for the chairs and the carpet right, to kind of start the year off. That was awesome. Yeah. 
Um, we've had one person that uh, has given, one person, just one person themselves, has given without any asking from here, has given somewhere around $20,000 uh, just to pay down the principal and the mortgage for the church. $20,000 above their regular giving, um, which is always extremely generous. Uh, and these kinds of things are going on all the time. Like we have a, our websites being redone right now. Um, and so, a lot of these things, we don't, we don't even have time to put the ask out at times uh, because this stuff comes so fast and furious, some of it. Um, the website is being redone for the church because that really is one of the main entrance points uh, for us all, but also for new people, people that are trying to find faith in Christ. Um, so that's a substantial investment. Any of you that uh, have had to do website stuff before, it's not inexpensive. We're probably looking at somewhere around $15,000 for that. Um, but somebody, somebody just gave $1,000, just heard about it and said, we're going to give $1,000. Um, somebody, you notice some of the new landscaping, it was a couple in the church just said, we are going to take care of that and uh, whatever we can do to help out. So those kinds of things are happening. That's always exciting to watch. But I want to give you an update on Pastor Carlo. He sent me a letter, Claire and I a letter, uh, email the other day. Uh, this was from last week, and many of you, um, because you're just, your generosity is paying for things, uh, your weekly and consistent giving pays for things. And anyway, the last, uh, last fall, there was uh, some pretty severe weather in Haiti, really wiped out a lot of the goats and stuff that we purchased over the years, some corrals we lost, and you guys have heroically been giving to that. So we have been, uh, we have been partnering uh, with Pastor Carlo, and we're trying to restore all of this stuff. Uh, that's going on, and then actually take it to a new level. Anyway, this is what he says. It's with great joy that, that we can tell you that we have just finished the 2017-2018 school year, to God be the glory, that he has used you to help us accomplish this noble task, to educate, nourish, bring hope to these children and their families. You are changing their future and impacting the entire community of those who believe as well as those who are not Christians. So when somebody says your money speaks, always understand that your money does speak. And it is a witness if used properly, not only for Christ followers, but for those that are not of faith. As we look back on this year, we have a great sense of accomplishment and we feel very fulfilled. Above all, we are delighted that we start the first 30 minutes every morning teaching and imparting God's word to, in our schools. Yeah, that's kind of nice, huh? The GOAT project is moving forward with our goal with great success. By God's grace and your gracious support, by the end of this week, we will have distributed 83 out of our goal 100 GOATs in the village of Belix. Yeah. Now, uh, everything, you guys have probably noticed in Haiti, there's protesting over fuel. Everything's, uh, everything's much more expensive. The GOATs actually are now $50 a piece. But you guys have been paying for these GOATs, and, and some of you don't even know you're paying for GOATs. Now you all know. Isn't that a great secret to be in on? Yeah. But it goes on. I'm also happy to tell you that the corral we needed desperately is almost finished. In Kawa, we have just started the goat project there, and to date we have distributed 11 goats out of 50 that we have planned for the children and their families in this community. We accomplish our goal we need. To accomplish our goal, we need an additional 57 goats and a corral for the village of Kawa and St. Louis. The children and their families are waiting with confidence and expectation. 
Each time I communicate with them, I send them the same message. I tell them that nothing is impossible for those who pray and believe, and the impossible will become possible. I, yeah. Isn't it amazing to be able to be a part of the answer to somebody's prayer, especially a bunch of little children and goats are absolutely critical uh, in the fabric of them doing well uh, in, a, in a community, in a village. That was another thing. Uh, we, Pastor Carlo, the hope is to put three wells in Bay Leaks because the, the water in Bay Leaks is, is uh, not good, or what they have access to, um, and the hope is to have three wells in Bay Leaks uh, by January. Uh, we just recently had a, a couple that one of their relatives, who does not come to church here, has heard about Haiti over the years and came into an inheritance and said, I just want to give money to Haiti. And they literally gave enough money to pay for one of those wells that is going to go in the village of Bay Leaks. Isn't that awesome? So, yeah, who, you, that's how you find out what they're praying for in Haiti. You, you end up paying for it. But anyway... Best, pr- best practices, uh, so, so live close-fisted. That's a great practice if you want to waste your money. You might think that being generous is going to take your money, but when you live close-fisted, the, the reality statistically is you will end up with less than you would have if you were more generous. Uh, best practice, everybody knows this, just don't work. Uh, that's a great practice if you want to waste money. Just don't work. Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work on it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. What a gift to be able to work, isn't it? Since you know that you will be receiving an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Uh, you, Claire and I have had people live with us over the years, all kinds of people. Uh, and uh, year, several, it was a while ago, um, we had these two young guys. They were going to college out in this area. And we, we offered to uh, host them. Uh, it was kind of funny. We had this little bedroom in the house we were in that was an extra bedroom. Uh, it was really our library is what we were calling it. It looked like a dorm room. And uh, they, they slept on these mat beds or whatever. Well, one day Claire came home from here from the office, and uh, it was a little bit afternoon, and they were both in the living room, and they were playing some game or something, and both of them had bedhead. Um, And she looked at them, and uh, she said, listen, we don't do bedhead here. Bedhead is for babies if it's afternoon. Afternoon, the only ones allowed to have uh, bedhead is babies. Uh, If you live in this house at noon, you're not playing games and sitting here with bedhead, you're getting ready for the next day of school. So anyway, yeah, but if you, if you want to waste your money, don't work. Anyway, uh, and lastly, and I think really important for us, um, is don't bury, or if you want to waste your money, bury your money. Um, and I don't have time to get into this, but please read Matthew 25, 14 through 29. It's the parable of the talents. Essentially, what it is, is it's the story that Jesus tells about how he gives three different individuals different sums of money, talents, um, and goes away, comes back, and wants an accounting for what they've been given. Uh, The person that has the most brings a huge increase The person that has the second most brings a a good increase on their wealth. But then this third person, 
says, I just buried the money because I knew you were shrewd. And uh, the master says, you, you didn't even bring it. You could have put it in a bank and gotten some money out of that. There is a responsibility that we have to not bury our money, to not bury our treasure. There are, there are, some, there are huge, huge responsibilities we have to bring increase. It is not... This, this is not just a suggestion scripturally. We have a responsibility. Um, and however we need to do that, whatever your pile is, because see, the first thing is we need to understand what our role is. Your role and my role is we are not owners. Whatever you have, you've been blessed to manage. And God blesses your life and your family with that, but also expects one day for you to be able to say, I, I brought an increase to what you gave me. And that is, that, is, that is theoretical, and then that is also very practical. Matthew 25, just read through that, through that and sense that challenge. God is not just trying to help you pay your bills. God wants you to bring increase on your time, your treasure, and your talent, and definitely uh, on your money. Listen, um, there is this huge shift going on in our culture. In the next 30 to 40 years, there will be approximately $30 trillion worth of personal wealth and resources transferred. So what does that mean? That means that it requires some wisdom in the transfer. So we've got increase happening, and now we need wisdom. I have three questions that I want to leave us with just to ponder this week. And I also want to tell you this, that I'm really excited about this. Um, if you believe you have the gift of generosity, um, we have a couple of guests, a couple of dear friends of Claire and I and Crossroads, uh, Dick and Sybil Towner, are going to be here with us the last weekend of October. And Dick, uh, Dick's in his 80s now, Dick uh, wrote the Good Sense uh, curriculum. Dick is, is a phenomenal uh, financial mind. And they are the, I, I think they're certainly some of the most devoted Christ followers, Claire and I have most ever generous met people we've ever met. Over 90 people have lived with them over yeah. their years of marriage, over 90 people, yeah. and um, that they've l- welcomed into their home to help them recover their lives to get on track. Yeah. So, can you imagine that? Over 90 people. Oh, yeah. It helps to live to be over 80 to be able to do yes. that. Anyway. <laughs> um, but they'll be here last weekend of October. Dick is going to talk to us about finances on um, Sunday morning, but he's also asked, and we, we want him to do this, he wants to talk to those that believe they have the spiritual gift of generosity. Or maybe you're wondering if you have a spiritual gift of generosity. And we're not offering this so that you give more money to Crossroads necessarily. We just want your gift to be fully employed and celebrated. Like we celebrate our musicians. They have this gift. We, sell, we get to celebrate and enjoy it every week, right? So if you believe or you know somebody, you have a friend or somebody, you think, gosh, they have the gift of generosity. Uh, we're going to be offering uh, something that afternoon on Sunday uh, for that group where Dick can just talk to us about the gift of generosity. Dick oversaw the finances of uh, one of the most prosperous churches in the world, one of the most prosperous ministries in the world, and has been talking about this stuff for 40 years. So he just wants to be around people that have that gift, and he wants to encourage it. So mark that on your calendars. Bring your friends. Young people, you are not going to want to miss. Listen to Dick and Sybil that weekend.
okay? Three questions. I'm sorry, I've gone too long, way too long. Um, three questions I have for you. Number one, what are you doing to bring increase to what, is, what you personally manage? In other words, what are you doing to bring increase to your personal wealth? Again, remember, always remember, you're a manager. You're not an owner. God owns it all. We just manage it. But we all have a responsibility to bring increase. God does want increase on your household, okay? Question number two, what are you doing to bring increase to God's kingdom? Are we being strategic and are we paying attention to it? One of the things that Claire and I do to make sure that we're bringing increase to God's kingdom is we consistently check, am I, are, we being, are we being generous with God's kingdom, more generous today than we were yesterday? That's a constant question. We don't wait till the end of the year to get our, our tax stuff before we decide whether or not we're being more generous. Um, there is a plan in place. And then lastly, how are you planning to be transgenerational with what you manage? We have this huge responsibility to bless our children and bless our children's children and bless some other people's children who have no clue in life about any of these principles and aren't living into them. We have a responsibility as the body of Christ to say, you know what, God? We will step up and we'll be transgenerational in our thinking. I'm going to leave something behind. It's going to make a difference on the face of this earth after I'm gone. Sound good? God bless you guys. So why don't you guys stand with us? So, um, so you just never know the surprises that are going to happen at Crossroads. Did you put that on the planner? I did. I saw your Facebook page over this week. Uh, you are something else. So I woke up singing this song. I think it's from like 1979. Okay. <laughs> And I, I said, I, I woke up singing this, and then it looks like it's on the planner as your blessing song to go out. And I think it's wonderful. It goes like this. Don't grow weary, doing well, right? Don't surrender the fight. This is a good part. Keep on storming the gates of hell. Keep on doing what you know is right. Do you remember this? Say, so say it again. Let's do it again. Y'all, you guys all getting that? We used to sing simple songs back in the day. But this is scripture. Are you ready? Don't grow weary in doing well. Don't surrender in the fight. Keep on storming the gates of hell. And keep on doing what you know is right. Is that, those are good words, aren't they? Let's put them in our mouth this morning. Here we go. Don't grow weary, do it well. Don't grow weary, don't surrender in the fight. Cause God's on your side. Keep on storming the gates of push back evil by being God's instrument. What you know is right. Are we doing the bridge exceedingly? Exceedingly. Did you get that part? Abundantly. Oh, they missed the best part. Okay, so here's how it goes. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. Are you ready? Exceedingly, abundantly, he gives us all things to enjoy. Okay, I'll work with you on this. And, um, but this is the word for you, exceedingly abundantly, above all you can ask or think. God gives you all things to enjoy. 
And on this day, I pray in the name of the Father who gave the Son and the Son who gave the Spirit. The generosity of God would be in you and through you all week long, wherever you go. May you be overwhelmed by God's generosity. And go home and read the parable of the talents. Amen? All right. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. In the Spirit.